Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 22. I am joined by our guest today, Ashley Wayne Grimes. She is the owner of Cannabis Nursing Solutions, LLC. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How's the, how's the weather where you're at? You're in Maryland, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, yes, I am. It is uh, dreary and wet. It was actually warmer today than normal. We got up to 50 degrees, so pleasurable, I guess, in theory. Yeah, we were at 75, I believe, today here in Austin. Ooh, that feels, that sounds like it feels amazing. <laughs> but our, our temperatures are kind of like the lottery numbers right now. 75, 28, 32, 54, 7, 74. <laughs> you don't know what to do, what to expect. <laughs> and just as it starts to warm up again, another cold front will come through and blast us. I think we're supposed to get back down to below freezing temperatures again this weekend. Wow. Wow. I wouldn't expect that. That's interesting. And given what happened to us in February of last year, I'd say a good chunk of Texans, they see the temperatures going below freezing and it's that. That's scared, yeah. That that, yeah. that flashback look where you're like. Right. We don't want to go back there again. You're right. Like, so are they planning, have they upgraded you all system so that won't happen again? So I, I have a history of before I got into the, the communication space and nonprofit stuff, I did nuclear power plant operations in the Navy. Okay. And it, it takes some time okay. to really go in and I would say do the maintenance that we would say is necessary to winterize. Right. Okay. But okay. part of the problem we had this last time was not just winterization, but having the proper amount of natural gas on hand mm-hmm. for the situation. Mm. And we are supposedly in a much better situation with that this go around. I don't expect that we're going to have 10 degree, zero degree weather again. Like we did last year. It's possible. I won't say it's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. I can dig it. I mean, I hope not. I hope that's a once in a lifetime occurrence like the past three years have been. <laughs> I, was saying, I know y'all y'all are used to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Area. Yeah. Yeah. We're used. So I think that's a good thing about be, being having regular, regular chill, wet weather, winter weather, um, because we can prepare for it. Um, but I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. the I'm home- over the snow. <laughs> yeah, the, the homes are designed for it, but then there's that, and I right. oh, that's something I don't miss about. I got I, we talked beforehand about I got stationed up in New York mm-hmm. in the Navy, and it was yeah I didn't like having to deal with oh we got to go out and do something with the sidewalk otherwise you're going to yeah. slip and fall and, and break half the bones right. in your body exactly and you then don't slide want- hundred <laughs> yards down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then the snow days, they close schools every other day, it seems like, because of the hope for snow, right? Um, Got to make sure our kids are safe. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm joking. But um, yeah, every, every once in a while, they'll close school, schools in threat of snow. So that's another downfall of being in the area. But, you know, what can you say? We get all the all the seasons. I can be thankful for that. You know exactly where you are, when it is. I don't have to deal with the lottery numbers. Exactly. <laughs> so let, I want I wanted to, I wanted to start off asking you about um Ace's medicine because sure. I, I, I saw that I saw the book I believe on the site but for some reason in my mind I didn't put the two together that that's your book you actually wrote this book. Yeah. And I did. from my understanding overview I've seen is that it's a third grader mm-hmm. who I guess has used cannabis for medicine. Yes. Elaborate on that. 
Yeah. So, um, yes, I did write the book and congratulations. You are one of very few people, if any, that has gotten his name correct. Um, most people are prone to saying Asa's medicine. And even when I correct them, they still say that. So congratulations to you. Um, so Asa's medicine. Yes, it's a third grader. He in the story, it doesn't actually tell you what his diagnosis is. And that was intentional. But he is he does require cannabis as medicine. And he actually moved from another state to Maryland, um, likely because he can access his medicine on school grounds um, because we do have that law here. And um, he's in class and he mentions that he needs to go take his medicine. And another little boy makes fun of him and hurts Asa's feelings. And, you know, they come to a resolution at the end um, where Asa and his school nurse actually end up teaching the class about medical cannabis. Nice. It's it's I mean, kind of even with just regular medicine, it's it's a difficult subject, I'd say, for third grade and under to tackle because like my son has to go and take medicine on a regular basis at school and he we had a relative move in they've got a six six year old kid and they are asking like i don't understand what's the deal with why they got to take medicine and then trying to explain like well they have like autism Mm -hmm. and this is and then you're you're trying to explain well what is autism and how does this medication work and it's like it's not really how much about how it works but the people have different things going on for them Right. And and that's how we actually end the story. You know, um, everybody's different. Everybody has different needs. And a byproduct of the story, I got some feedback from one mother whose little girl actually takes an inhaler for her illness and has to leave class similar to Asa. And she was like, wow, I didn't, you know, this made her feel empowered in her ailment, her illness. So, you know, you're right. We don't talk about often enough the children who are quote unquote different for whatever the reason is. Um, We kind of want to separate them and pretend like it's not happening. But really, you know, I think that is the source of bullying in a lot of cases because the kids are unaware. So they identify them easily as being different and then want to pick on them. So, you know, just having those conversations, our children aren't silly. Um, they're not stupid. They have access to high-speed internet, so they know a lot more than we think they do. As a kid, I um, I had asthma and had to use an inhaler, and it mm-hmm. was it, it was strange. Like everybody looked at it, like why does he have that thing? And they yeah. suddenly figured out, like watching me have asthma attacks, that they're like, oh, he needs that because this event happens and that helps him. But right. even then, it was kind of like this poking fun until I believe her name is Jackie Joiner Kersey. Wow, the, 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 full the, name. The, you got a whole name. Okay. <laughs> that was like my idol as a kid because she was a track star, an Olympic medalist track star. And she's like, I have asthma. I use an inhaler. Oh, cool. And I'm oh. like, I'm like, cool. There's this big time professional athlete that has this issue. Mm-hmm. And I can relate to that. So I was like, you know, you call me names, but here's this professional person making millions of dollars running Mm. using oh, the medication right. I use. So yeah, go, go. you make fun of me, you're making fun of them. Right, right. So you're a track star now too. <laughs> and it's funny, like I got into high school and that's, I was like, I'm going to go run track. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So she inspired you all the way around and that's amazing. It was something that's like push yourself mm-hmm. and do the best you can with what you have. And there's no shame in taking something to put yourself back at baseline. Mm-hmm. To make you a regular human being again, and that's right. and that's something we've been trying to present to our legislature here is that people aren't wanting this because purely because, as others put it, they want to get high. Right. They want to be normal human beings again. Right. Right. And that's the biggest thing. I mean, 
the fact that we dehumanize people for wanting to take um, a, a plant-based medicine, I just think is kind of ridiculous all in and of itself because they decided to make it a schedule one drug, right? Um, that doesn't compare to some of the other schedule one drugs. And I'll just de- describe it that way. That, that something I wanted to bring up. Um, that's why I put in the email today to you as well. Something that I've been having a discussion with, it goes on that line of, of thinking is that how we discuss medicine as advocates versus how we discuss, you would discuss medicine as a medical professional, because mm-hmm. I've had family that when they talk about medicine, they're like, oh, I love the idea of cannabis being used medically. But they're like, to me as a doctor, medicine has a dose that goes with it. And then there's advocates that say, well, I want it for healing. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for doses and, and rates and how to suggestions on how to take it or order to be taking it. And it mm-hmm. came up again because Colorado really apparently passed a bill recently where doctors have to write on the recommendation like a dose. Yeah, I, I think so. Obviously, it's very difficult to, to dose smoking so that and most times when based on the law, a lot of times people come up with legislator that excludes smoking from, um, I guess, medical use in a lot of cases. So, for example, um, in like institutionalized settings, so most likely in hospitals, they probably won't let smoking uh, be allowed. But tincture can be dosed. Um gummies can be dosed. And really, it's about finding a therapeutic range for patients. And that's the thing that makes like medical providers kind of iffy. It's like, what do you mean a range? Like, what is what is that? What's that number? And, and we tend to be very type A individuals in the way that our healthcare system is set up. Um, we're very regimented in the way that we view healthcare. So cannabis kind of takes us out of our comfort zone in a lot of ways, which is why the stigma exists to begin with, um, especially in the healthcare community and for a multitude of reasons, even outside of it. And something we were talking about there, like Texas does not have, we explicitly have banned smokable items in our medical program. Yeah, I heard, I heard, yeah. They've, they said anything that has ignited or burned and <laughs> it's kind of strange because they didn't, the way they've written it, you could possibly do a vaporization Mm-hmm. It might, it kind of seems like that's a gray area, but as well, I've noticed that there's, I don't want to say vape, um, nebulizer. That's the correct term for it. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll understand when I say nebulizer, like nebulizer treatments, a little, you put an air hose yeah. to it yeah. And, yeah. and it turns it into a vapor. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I say that you'll understand it because I've brought this up and people are like, oh, you're talking about an inhaler. I'm like, no, 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 no. not an inhaler. <laughs> not like albuterol. Right. But taking a, a liquid solution and putting it in a little compartment and pumping air through it, and there's really, from what I can find, there's nothing that bans that here. I don't think that any state has really banned that method yet. And I, don't, I want to know like, if you know, if you've heard of anything with that. If you haven't, it's okay. No, I haven't heard anything. Um, no, I haven't heard anything about them banning it per se. It's usually the, the smokable fire combustion version that people are kind of fearful of. Um, anything else, for the most part, a lot of people don't even realize there's all these different alternatives to consuming. So when you talk about cannabis, they automatically assume you mean rolling a joint or a blunt, but um, they don't don't really think about all the alternatives there are that exist for patients. Um, Even, you know, nebulizers, they have, they do have inhalers in some states, they have sprays, you know, Um, and then most people's go-to is tincture or gummies, um, 
you know, as the more common form of alternate alternative. So well, we're going to go into our first break here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. So when we come back, we'll we'll discuss about your background, how you got in, into this as a nurse. This is episode 22. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. My guest, Ashley Wynn Grimes of Cannabis Nursing Solutions. We'll be right back after this sponsor break. and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit TexasCanaco.com. That's TXCanaCo.com and click the contact tab. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 22. I'm joined by guest Ashley Wynn Grimes of Cannabis Nursing Solutions. We were just having a discussion about inhalants and how some states have actually gone on to ban them. Others haven't. I wanted to get a a background on you, Ashley. How did you get into this space? How did you get into cannabis as a nurse? Um, So I guess let's start off with the fact that I was a nurse for 13 years or a little bit more than 13 years. And a few years ago, I got wind of the the endocannabinoid system. Somebody was like, hey, did you know we have an endocannabinoid system? And I'm like, no, I didn't. So then I started doing research. And um, as I started researching and, and just learning more and more about cannabis, the cannabinoids and its interaction with the endocannabinoid system, the more that I felt that um, I had been lied to in a lot of ways, like the way that we deal with with cannabis um, consumers in healthcare um, is largely by ignoring them. So, 
if we take a drug screen on a patient, which we do frequently, especially when they come into the hospital um, and even during their stay, we'll see that they're positive for cannabinoids and nobody will say anything. And there's no part of our assessment that includes that um, aspect of their care and why they're choosing to consume it. So, um, you know, the more that I learned, the more that I was just kind of frustrated with the fact that healthcare in and of itself is very boxed in. I told you we're very regimented, very, very type A. And, you know, I just happened to learn it at a time where I was kind of ready to get out of that box and just expand, you know, who Ashley is, um, you know, where I want to go with my career and so on. And I decided to just take a chance and and rely on cannabis to do that. So for me, it's about educating um, nurses. It's about empowering nurses, um, giving them access to just a different perspective on the way that we treat wellness. Um, You know, it's not a number. It's not stagnate. Um, Just in this one experience, you don't achieve wellness. It's a full on perspective. So that's how I got into the space. What has it been since you've gotten into it? What would you say have been some some pitfalls or difficulties you've had navigating the space? Um, so cannabis obviously is very much stigmatized. So early on, okay, let me, I'll say this. I think the biggest barrier was myself. So walking into the space and knowing that it's stigmatized, I, you have to have a lot of confidence to be able to speak out about something that you know is true when the rest of your community does not. Um, and so early on, I think a lot of time was spent trying to, I guess, convince people what I knew was right. And I had to realize that uh, not everybody's going to see it the way that I see it today, because it's not a whole lot of people saying it, right? Like the media message is what the collective believes. So, um, you know, by me trying to break, break through that barrier, that's just something that is part of what my job is. So I've learned that, uh, I'll always have work to do as long as somebody doesn't believe what's true is that cannabis is medicine. I can totally, totally, totally get that. It's like when I first started showing up to our capital to start even take note of what was going on and talk to people, it was like, how do I, how do I convince people not only this, like this is right, but to, well, I guess even a way of getting this message to their legislature where their legislature can understand it mm-hmm. on their level. Mm-hmm. And then it became this thing where I realized it's I, 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 I'm, I came from an engineering community in the Navy doing nuclear power plant operations. So everything was very logic driven, very procedure. Everything's like you said, regimented. Yeah. And I realized it's like the arguments that you make and the way you have these discussions aren't about regiment and logic. Right. You want that there, but it tends to be you're, there, there has to be some emotion mixed in with the discussion you have. And then the next challenge is is finding a story and emotion that isn't commonly used Mm -hmm. because it seems to be, and I imagine you all probably went through this, you hear the same story over and over and over Mm -hmm. and it becomes worn out. Yeah. And you realize you have to take a different approach. You have to have a a different story, a different angle to try to get them to be convinced. Yes. That's, I I, I resonate with that a lot. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like most of most of what I see in in cannabis is an emotion is driven solely by emotion and is not really a story behind it or um, or behind the messaging per se. So like 
uh, we we take we tend to want to take cannabis as the archetype and say we love the plant. You all should love the plant, but um, the world's just not going to see it like that right now. So you know, taking different approaches and figuring out how to get whatever your population of people, whoever's interested in hearing what you have to say, I think it's pr- probably um, a, a struggle that a lot of us in this industry experience. I noticed that I was, I found an article about you and I realized it says it states that you were involved in, I guess is house bill 0617 in Maryland. Yeah. And that you were helping develop the policy with that. And I looked it up real quick for the Maryland general assembly. And this was, Public and non-public schools, medical cannabis policy for administration during school hours and events. Connor and Raina's law. Can you give us some some background on that and your work with that? You know, I probably should have mentioned that when I was talking about the book, because that's actually what inspired the book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I did not I did not help with the um, the policy. So that was Connor and Raina are two children here who are children who. I'm sorry, our children here who need to take medical cannabis and they are the advocates, their parents are the advocates who were able to get this law passed. I mean, there was a lot of people involved, obviously, but I was not one of them. Um, Where I came in was when they needed to build out guidelines with the school systems here in Maryland. So um, there was a work group put together after the the policy was um, passed in 2020. And we broke down everything that all of the schools needed to know as far as implementing into their schools. So where can they, you know, access it? Who has access to it? Um, who is going to administer it? Uh, the child's role in it. Can you administer it at school games or on the bus or, you know, in the hallway or outside the doors? You know, like it was those type of conversations that we broke down. Um and they needed a subject matter expert, and that was me. So um, just some, I guess, practical considerations, if you're aware of the plant, was what I offered to the group. And, um, you know, I talked to them about uh, considerations for dosing. I talked about what a terpene is and, you know, interactions with the body and things of that sort. So that's where I came in. You 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 bring this up, and it's something I realize why dosing is such a important factor, especially for those situations. Cause I mentioned like having asthma, mm-hmm. a child with asthma is given a rescue inhaler sent to school and mm-hmm. kept in the nurse's office. Possibly if rules allow, they keep it like a backpack with the prescription label on it. That way, if they have an asthma attack, it's there and readily available. And I say, Hey, you take two puffs of this mm-hmm. and it starts becoming, how do you comparatively do this with cannabis? So yeah. you have like an epileptic child student who's having a seizure and it's like, well, how much do I administer Mm -hmm. in this situation? So the expectation is that um, the the parents have identified because we got to remember cannabis is a patient driven um, medicine. So although, although they do require here in Maryland, at least they do require our clinical directors to fill out a form and, you know, write down what they say at the end of the day, the clinical director is likely going to do what the parents say they've already done and has worked in the past. Oh, I, so, I can totally understand that being in our yeah. own medical program here. Right. So, um, so when the kid comes to school, the nurse will only administer what is written on that piece of paper written by the clinical director, which ironically was decided by the parent. It makes sense. I mean, the parent has gone through, done a trial and error as to what works best. 
<laughs> and we're lucky. I wouldn't say lucky. It's great. It's great that this is the type of administrable medicine that you cannot overdose on. So you can't really give too much. <laughs> and if you, oh God, to give too much would be a child's worth. <laughs> like, a, like an entire child, you fill them up with this and then try to administer. Yeah, it, it's an insane amount. So it's not yeah. happening. And you'll know after time, like, what's too little doesn't mm-hmm. work. So it's it's great that the parents can have that flexibility with that to work with their providers. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, the provider is going to write it down. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and, and basically the way that most laws are set up is is driven off of how the patients decide they want to consume it. Like, for the most part, our medical providers aren't participating in navigating that. And I can imagine as well, like here they came out with um, new gummies and they mm-hmm. created what they call nano emulsion. Mm-hmm. And you can put the gummy pretty much between your lip and your gums and kind of rub it in. Dissolves. And, okay. it is, and it dissolves way quicker than your normal tincture. Yeah. So it's really, like you said, it's a preference to do I want a typical tincture mm-hmm. or edible that could take 30 minutes to an hour? Mm-hmm. Or do I want this other tincture that's like, hey... I'm having a seizure. Somebody can put this in my mouth, rub it against my gums and good to go. Right. right. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, I, I keep, I feel like I keep saying the word regimented, but that's the thing about wellness that I think that people kind of get a little misinterpreted. Wellness is based on how you feel today. So if you're not feeling okay today, nobody can tell you that if you, you know, in, in healthcare, we say, do you have pain? If the patient says yes, the answer is yes. And then when they rate it, it is just what they say it is in that moment. Um, and that's true with a lot of disorders and imbalances that happen throughout the body. If the patient is experiencing, let's say, anxiety, who am I to tell you that you're not? I can't. It's an experience that you're having. So um, if you experience relief from that, what is it? What took you there? Right. Um, what other what other things contributed? Because it's not all, all about cannabis um, medicine. It's about how you treat your whole body, your awareness of your body. So um, and patients have largely not been participants in that. Um, they're usually told what to do, when to do it by whatever, you know, mystical doctor, nurse or whoever is giving them instructions. Um, and so they're used to being told to certain things about their body. But when it comes to cannabis, it's the exact opposite. They're the ones who saying what the experience is and we're navigating it in a journey based on their experiences. I think a good comparison would be that, um, like if you've ever had a child or any, to anybody who's raised a child is that when a child needs food, they'll tell you they're hungry. Mm-hmm. They'll let you know they're hungry, that they need food. And that's a sign that that's when they need the nutritional value put in them. So right now we're going to go into our second sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 22. Our guest, Ashley Wynn Grimes, nursing Cannabis Nursing Solutions. We'll be right back after this sponsor break. Oak Cliff Cultivators is a 
the sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oakcliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products, quality, or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit TexasCanaco.com. That's TXCanaco.com and click the contact tab. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Back to the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 22. I am joined by guest Ashley Wynn Grimes of Cannabis Nursing Solutions. We were just talking about wellness from day to day and how your body is giving you basically cues as to what's wrong with you. And that's why we go to people like Miss Ashley Wynn Grimes, is because sometimes we don't know how to interpret those cues. I know the first time I ever had diverticulitis, which is not something fun to have. I thought I had a kidney stone, and I'm glad I went to a professional to get it looked at and get a good interpretation of those cues. Mm -hmm. So what has it been like in Maryland with y'all's medical program? How would you talk about it? How would you describe it? Um, I think it's a work in progress. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. Um, You know, we've no. Many, many of these states, our states have not had any experience in implementing something along these lines, um, especially with the, you know, uh, it's it's kind of a, a, I don't know the word to describe it, but, you know, it's a federal one drug. I mean, it's a federally scheduled one drug. And then at the same time, each state has its own way of creating their rules. And they try their best to learn from other states who have done it in the past. But the reality is we don't we just don't have a whole lot of um, experience with this. So every state, they do it. They try out certain things. Um, Some things work. Some things don't, depending on, you know, how uh, who's in charge, who's who's implementing the policies, who's running your program. Um, Certain things may or may not be biased based on that person's experiences. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of work to do. They're considering 
recreational for this cycle coming up. And I mean, I think that's going to be very exciting and interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, but for me, my focus has been more around healthcare policy, um, shifting that narrative in, in our healthcare system so they understand that cannabis is medicine. And that I think can't move, but so far until um, it's removed from that schedule one status. So, I mean, it's cool. It's, it's fun. I like uh, participating with everything that has been put out there, um, learning about legislation and policies and bills and things of that nature. Um, nurses, one of our roles are to be advocates. And I think this is really my only experience being a true advocate. So do you have any, do you have any concerns from the medical side? If recreational does happen in Maryland, I've heard people across different States where they've, they've said that, I guess it's to an extent it's kind of really hindered the medical programs. Yeah. Because then it, it removes the need. Sorry. It removes the need significantly. Like, um, there, I feel like there should be a lot of focus on the medical program for medical purposes. I don't see anything wrong with recreational consumption, but at the same time, I think that group of the group of people who want to participate from a recreational standpoint without having medical guidance, without being kind of supported with understanding their health and wellness that group of people, I think, do have a choice and can choose the recreational side. But then there are a group of people who truly need somebody to fix or help them fix something that's wrong with their body to have a good quality of life. Um, For sure. To, you know, to just do daily things to stand up because, you know, you have severe arthritis. Um, you know, if you're at the end of life and you just want to enjoy the last years of your life, like, while dealing with all of the, you know, things that come along, the comorbidities, what we call them, all of the different disease processes. Um, so, yeah, I think a little bit more focus or identification of what we're calling medical cannabis versus the rec, rec side um, or adult use, I think should be made a little bit more clear. And you should get equal amount of money to fund both. Oh, Yes. Definitely. <laughs> you know, like I think that's the biggest thing. The money seems to shift over to the rec side because a lot of people are making profits and the medical side just kind of gets pushed to the subway side. So that's my fear. I, that's not actually what's happening here, but I don't want that to happen. So pivot a little bit. This last part of the in, ending this last segment, I want us to be able to talk about, we've already mentioned your background. We were talking beforehand about when I found your book, it said you were master's of science, your R-N-B-C-L-S-S-B-B. Yeah. I wonder if you could elaborate on that with your, your qualifications there. Yeah. So the master's obviously um, is a master's degree, but it's in nursing education, um, which is different from an MSN, by the way. Most MSNs are nurse practitioners. I'm not a nurse practitioner. So some people get that confused as well. Um, but the LSSBB Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. So a long time ago, when Toyota was first born, they created a process and a system that they follow um, where they could create the cars exactly the same every single time. Um, hospitals in recent years have decided that that's a really cool process and we would love to be able to recreate that for human beings. So um, I worked in corporate for a while and that's what I did. We, we implemented processes to the best of our abilities to help 
uh, improve consistency amongst the, the delivery of care. Um, and then I also have certifications as well in professional development, nursing education. Um, and I think that's it. I don't know. I think that's it. <laughs> and when you mentioned, you said black belt before, that's what I caught was black belt. And I was like, I'm not sure what I caught beforehand. I was like, but I'm, I'm wondering how my mind went to like karate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, what does karate have to do with the healthcare industry? And you're like lean six Sigma black belt. Oh, I'm like, okay. I know what you're, exactly. You're talking about six Sigma. Yes. Yeah. Lots of companies are incorporating that. And in the Navy, we technically have that. We just go, yeah, here's the procedure. Right. Here's, right. The, here's the procedure for how to do this. It's been nailed down as right. to how this works. Don't deviate from it. We know this works this way. Exactly. Exactly. It just makes it very hard when you're dealing with patients to be able to recreate that. So. Well, there's, and it's just in people in general, it's so many variants. And yeah. as a parent of a child with autism, I've gone through an ABA training, mm-hmm. applied behavior analysis. And then you realize it, you're just really breaking it down to what are they trying to obtain? What are they trying to get away from? Mm-hmm. And once you start kind of getting to these cores, then you're able to replicate the desired outcomes you're wanting every time. Right. Right. Um, want to also ask you, give us some information about cannabis nursing solutions. Yeah. So I mentioned it a little while earlier. So the purpose of cannabis nursing solutions is to shift healthcare perce- perception perspective divs can i get it out um through uh just different alternative methods of uh medicine so cannabis being one of them but just uh spiritual mental holistic uh ways of uh dealing with healthcare. and i do that through i've written a book you saw aces medicine um, but I'm also in the process of writing a nonfiction book, just exposing some of my experiences as a nurse in my transition to entrepreneurship um, and, you know, empowering other nurses to step outside of some of those boxes that we've created for ourselves. Um, and I provide training for nurses that offers them contact hours. And um, I, I, I do uh, coaching sessions with them and all those kind of things, because one of the things just as a nurse, when I walk into rooms, I'm the only nurse there. Um, we have guidelines that support um, our the, the boards of nursing in implementing cannabis into our care. So providing a proper assessment for a patient who may be consuming um, and being able to help them make the best decisions for themselves, give them the, the adequate information so they can make um, their patient-driven decisions. So um, that's a large part of what Cannabis Nursing Solutions is intended to do. So to amplify my voice through other nurses in order to uh, have a bigger impact on the patients who we serve. Read out your website. So that way the listeners and whoever whoever will want up watching our video we're recording right now can get an idea about where to find you and find your services. Yeah, so it's www.cannabisnursingsolutionsllc.com. Um, you can also email me at cannabisnursingsolutions at gmail.com. And they can buy ACES Medicine, the paperback there, correct? Yes, they can get the, actually it's the hardback that's on my website that's available. I don't have any more paperbacks. And, but you can get it, <laughs> you can get it on Amazon, whichever version that you want. Okay. I was like, cause I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm looking at her site right now, cannabisnursingsolutionsllc.com. And I was like, that's where I saw the, the description. It's like Ace's Medicine paperback. And I'm like, okay, I'll ask her about that. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's okay. I need to update it if it's, if it's not right. It's okay. Hardback is 
much preferred, if you ask me. I know. They last a <laughs> lifetime, even even in the third graders' hands. They're like, they, they want to he-man right. it. Right. Yeah, I prefer the the hard copies, and I sign them if you get them from my website. So anybody who's interested of getting a signed copy. Just go to oh, the website. Bonus perk of going to Cannabis Nursing Solutions LLC.com. Signed uh-huh. copy of Ace's Medicine. Yes. One last question. Do you have any advice for the advocates here in Texas? Um, streamline your message. Uh, make sure that your uh, message is very clear. And like you were saying earlier, just distinguishing yourself from others because things kind of like different businesses pop up or advocates just kind of pop up. And depending on, you know, how big that voice is, it can overshadow maybe what you're you're trying to accomplish with your messaging. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think almost every organization or um, advocates real goal and purpose right now is to provide education to the masses, to our, the different populations who may be aware, may be consumers, may not be aware, whatever, whatever, what have you. Um, so I think streamlining your educational services and making sure that, you know, we're getting the messaging out, I think is the biggest thing. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time here at the Lone Star Collective and Texas Cannabis Collective for coming, talking to us on our podcast here. That'll do it for episode 22 of the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by guest Ashley Wynn Grimes, Cannabis Nursing Solutions, LLC.com. You can find Aces Medicine there. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy a copy within the next month because I've got a third grader. Nice, nice. So it should resonate perfectly with my son. Yet again, thank you for joining us and everybody have a great evening. Adios. You-